Hello and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Capuletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And we are here today to talk about a recent film, 2021, Revenge Delivered. It was a good one. This was eminently watchable. This was the movie we discussed in our last episode, saying that this one passed the 10 minute rule because after 10 minutes we looked at each other and we were both very excited and wanted to even do an episode about it. So here we are. It was suspenseful. It was suspenseful. It was lifetime done well. So the basic gist of the movie is that Dr. Victoria Brooks, when she's a young doctor, she's an OB, When she's a young doctor, she has a difficult medical case where she can either save the mother or save the baby. And the mother demands that she save the baby, which she does. We then cut ahead many years later, and Dr. Brooks is now the head of the OB department, and she has three new residents or interns it's unclear to me yeah they're there for their rotations sure I neither don't know of us any... have been to medical school yeah, i don't so. know anything about med school but three new women starting one of whom is her daughter and weird scary things start to happen in dr brooks's life so that's the basic gist we're we're trying to figure out throughout the course of the movie who is causing these problems. The first suspect is obviously the husband of the woman who died early on in her career, Mm -hmm. Russell. Yep. And then other suspects are introduced as well. So let's talk. (laughs) What did you like? Well, I think the family life was well done. Sure. I mean, Dr. Brooks is faced with the prospect of having her own daughter work in a rotation with her. Yes. And we can see her kind of being harder on Noel than on the other students. Keeping a closer eye as well, because there is, we should mention, a subplot that Noel, one year prior had attempted suicide, took a year off to address her mental health, and now she's back continuing her medical education and onto her medical career. It is a subplot, but Mm -hmm. I felt like they handled the suicide and mental health issues more gracefully than we are are used to. There was one moment where Dr. Brooks gives Noelle a charm bracelet yes. that got her that her mother gave her and got her through hard times, including this loss of the patient early on in her career, mm-hmm. and she gives it to Noelle. And the charm bracelet was introduced as like this is a thing that will help you get through hard times. And then more importantly, it was introduced because later Noel has to escape binding. Like she has to escape ropes yes. and she uses one of the charms <laughs> right. to 
I mean, it's not super plausible that she would be able to cut through the thickness of rope with a charm on a charm bracelet, but apparently the quality at Pandora is so much higher <laughs> than I knew. So, but that's why we introduce it. And I, and I didn't feel like the subplot of her um, mental health was done in a dismissive or upsetting way. Yeah, I think it was handled with enough... I guess, of a spotlight to make it relevant to the plot. Sure. Especially in that subsequent episode where uh, the evil rotation, uh, the evil student, uh, Claire, she slips something into Noelle's drink while they're out drinking at the bar. And it causes Noelle to pass out. And it makes Dr. Brooks really worried about her daughter. And it harkens back to that earlier episode with her mental health. Yes. Um, when it is clearly not Noelle's fault. She has just been drugged. Um, but they did not know that. Yeah. Claire is ultimately the villain, but they do a good job throughout of introducing other possible suspects. Right. The, the third resident or intern, Luna, is also, for a time, you're led to believe it could be her. Yes. I will say I cast a wide net whenever it comes to guessing what how these plots are going to play out. So I'm usually right. Because Liz I, Blickle, <laughs> casting a wide net. Because I guess all possible <laughs> outcomes. And so you it's like do. one of them's going to be right. But early on, there's this overly friendly, overly chipper, overly eager to help receptionist and I was like it could be her because typically minor characters aren't given a lot of dialogue so even something as simple as she says to Noelle there's a new pot of coffee in the break room you want one even a moment like that in a lifetime movie it's like clue that's suspicious (laughs) speaking role (laughs) oh we should mention that this is taking place at Northwestern Medical School, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. St. John's Hospital? In, is it called? They call it that later, but they initially mm-hmm. call it uh, Northwestern Medical School or something mm-hmm. like that. And they say it's in Evanston, which, not to fact check you, but in fact, Northwestern Medical School is in downtown Chicago. Northwestern's main campus is in Evanston, but law and medicine or downtown kellogg evanston so they got that a little wrong but also cute was the other doctor that works with dr brooks is named dr evans Uh uh-huh so at a certain point we just got tired and we're like dr evans of evanston it's fine (laughs) (laughs) what should we what should we discuss now well I don't know. Do we want to get into Claire and the way that she torments Dr. Brooks? Sure. Um, Let's do it. Let's get into some of her specific moments of torment. Now, we have to mention some of these could be... Is it Maddie or Maggie? Some of these could be... Are you talking about the other... um... You have a student? Some of these could have... No. I'm talking about... So we're going to talk about the ways that 
Claire torments Dr. Brooks, but one or two of these moments might not just be Claire. They might also be Claire working with Maggie, her sister. The receptionist? The overly chipper yes, receptionist yes. Uh-huh. is actually the sister yes. of Claire. Right. So some of these, they might be working together, uh-huh. but true. you don't ever see them interact. Yes. So you don't know their sisters mm-hmm. until later there are some clues given yes. that someone's going to be a sister of someone else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, let's discuss her specific I mean, tortures. just when Dr. Brooks is pulling out those sheets from the printer, yes, where it says, I know what you did on 10-22-95. Shouldn't one of them be wearing a rain slicker and it, it's raining? They're yes. holding a hook Yes. <laughs> for, for that line to work. Yeah. Where are you, Freddie Prinze Jr. and Sarah Michelle Geller? Happily married, that's where they are. <laughs> I did think it was interesting that during that moment, so we're in a hospital, remember? She goes to the printer, and this hospital is lights dimmed. She is alone, completely silent. In the OBGYN ward. Where, for, yeah, where yeah. there could be a baby born any second. There's yeah. always someone. One of my sisters-in-law had a baby in the middle of the night on like a Sunday. And it was a very quiet, the nurses even commented on it being a quiet night. And I will tell you, there were still multiple nurses the entire time. Yes, they are in shifts, but they there are always nurses there. There's always at least one doctor. Mm-hmm. There's a security guard usually. I mean, there's a security guard in this movie. He wasn't to be found. You think hospitals don't have 24-hour security? Yeah. So she's calling Hello, anyone here? And in a real hospital, there would be a million people. Yes. But I did think in that moment, they did a good job of, they they like blurred the edges of the picture and they had this like sharp sound to simulate that she was panicked or lightheaded or whatever. And yeah. that that to me... We had complained in a previous movie that the entire movie, the edges were blurred. That did not seem to have a reason. This seemed to have a reason. And they were trying to like simulate that feeling. And I think as someone who I can tell you, I've had panic attacks on many occasions. There is something that happens with your vision. So it was, I thought it was good that they at least tried to simulate the panic that she would have been feeling at the reference to this. Yeah, we can move on from that moment, though. Yeah. Oh, also, Claire was immediately suspicious because she is, like, overly friendly to Noelle. Yes. She invades her world pretty quickly, and she gives her a ride to school, the hospital, whatever, the second day of work, and Noelle is living with her parents at the time. She comes inside the Brooks family home And she compliments their home. She says, you have such a beautiful family. I mean, the way, though, that she... The way that she looks at their house that first time, she gives it the once-over that a creepy guy would give to a Hooters waitress. You could just say a creepy guy would give to any woman. It It doesn't have to be a Hooters waitress. Right. Frankly, 
she, I mean, she is inventorying the place in a way that was a little bizarre. Like if someone, again, we get into these moments where I'm like, if someone behaved like this, I, I'd be on full alert. But the actress I thought did a really good job of playing it like both menacing and sweet. So you can see it going either way. And I thought, you know, on, on the one side, she could just be like socially awkward and she's really trying to suck up to her boss. Yeah. Cause she wants to get the job at the hospital. Right. Post residency or internship or whatever this is. Yeah. I thought she did a good job playing, playing it just like on that razor's edge of like sweet enough to not be fully suspicious Mm -hmm. and menacing enough to still be suspicious. Right. And also leaving the door open for it to be the third student, Luna. Yes. Who is the one behind everything. Yes. So the next thing that happens is that Dr. Brooks leaves this empty hospital one night and the windows on her car are smashed in. Yeah. And a rock in her car says that next time it won't just be the windows that or the car that's broken or something like threatening to break her. Yeah. And she immediately decides it's Russell, the husband of her patient who she lost. Yeah. But I want to point out that in this instance, we are given something so rare she actually calls the cops. The mm-hmm. doctor, we learn from a conversation where she's looking at security footage with the security guard later, that she called the cops. Now, that being said, she should not have touched the rock once she saw that the windows of her car were broken by something she should not have gotten in. Yeah. For two reasons. One, don't touch the rock. They're going to fingerprint it. And the second reason is, don't get in that car, Doc. There's broken glass everywhere. Don't yeah. don't sit down on that seat. You know better than anyone how broken glass can <laughs> hurt the body. Come on. But I did appreciate that she followed what I, I consider to be standard protocol, which is someone has done something violent to you, threatened you, and you make a legal note of it mm-hmm. like a record of this happening yeah so should we talk about how the residents go out for drinks yeah this is a fun night out <laughs> just your classic fun night out talking about your dead parents yeah so at this point in the movie they're still trying to figure out like who is they're teasing and toying with your expectations of whether it's Luna or whether it's Claire, who is the daughter of Russell and the woman who passed. Yeah. So Luna says that she wanted to go into the career because she took care of an ailing relative, her Uh father until he died of lung cancer. Right. And, she says she decided not to go into oncology because she wanted to take care of health, not treat sickness. Mm-hmm. So OB seemed the more natural place for her. 
And then Claire mentions that she went into medicine because she was forced to. So they want you to think Luna is Russell's daughter. Yeah. And that post her father's death, she embarks on this plot of revenge. When in fact, Claire has admitted that the real plot, or not admitted, but indicated that the real plot is that her sister forced her to go to medical school so that they could get close to Dr. Brooks, essentially, so Mm -hmm. that they could punish her for letting their mother die. Right. So I, of course, have a lot of thoughts about that. You do. I do. (laughs) This was a moment that I was like, you know, once it's revealed it is Claire, and once it's revealed that Maggie is her sister... It raised a lot of questions for me. First of all, this is a very long con. Medical school is long. Mm -hmm. It's also a con with a very high probability that it won't work. The chances of getting placed at Dr. Brooks's specific hospital... That's true. ...are not great. Mm -hmm. And without that working... What was their plan? Let's say she got placed at University of Chicago or Washington University or somewhere anywhere else. What was the plan then? Meet her at some OB conference and murder her in her hotel room? Like, I don't understand how they assumed this would work out. Right. So my question for Claire was, your sister forced you into a career... And doesn't even think you should be alive. Hmm. Why join in this con with her? Yeah. And it makes you understand why she's trying to replace Maggie, her real sister, with Noelle, who she says she wants to be her sister. Interesting. Okay. Because her real sister seems mean. Hmm. Anyways. Yeah, I derailed us. So what did you want to say about the drinks night? Oh, I just was commenting on how fun some of the drinks looked. I mean, one of them has a very blue drink. Could have been antifreeze. Could have been something with blue Curacao. Could have been a blue Hawaiian. Yes, that's right. We are in the medical field. You know doctors. Classic drink of laid back back. Yes. (laughs) And also the fact that uh, Dr. Brooks and her other colleague, Dr. Evans, are at the same bar. And I think there's virtually no one else. Yeah. Uh, this, might, this might also have been filmed during COVID. Right. So we might, maybe that's why the hospital is so empty. The hospital one is an easy fix for me. It's like you switch it to private practice mm-hmm. and, and that is cleared up because private practice isn't a 24 hour gig. So like, yeah, it would be, sure. there are times of day when it might be quiet in a private practice. Mm-hmm. The I don't know with COVID restrictions how you can make rooms feel super populated. So right. maybe they should have just had them at a smaller bar. Maybe not. Uh, you know, not something I, I guess I should dwell on. No, well, I mean, I we can dwell on everything. <laughs> so that night, Claire goes to the bathroom with Noelle and turns the lights out on her. Oh yeah, that to, was like, a weird spook prank. Her. It was weird. But it's really just an opportunity to drug her drink, which we mentioned she does. Oh, yeah. And she was drinking, what, like a rum and coke or something like that? 
know. It was a it was a it was a brown drink. Um, okay, sure. Let's say ramen. Maybe scotch neat. <laughs> um. So she drugs her. She does a really good job of like toying with their sort of like with Dr. Brooks and Noelle's sense of her. Yeah. So that like it makes them doubt themselves because she seems so nice much of the time. And then she does things like creepily say, um, you have such a nice family or whatever, Mm -hmm. or like, uh, she that night plays that prank on Noel, and so of course, if someone ninety percent of the time is sweet and on your side, and right. then ten percent of the time is doing weird, confusing things, you doubt yourself, and you assume you're in the wrong. Like, oh, she was. It was just an innocent prank. Yeah. You don't immediately assume like she drugged my drink. That's why I collapsed later that night yeah so then she spends the night claire does yes and then they go to the hospital the next day and um dr brooks ends up locked into a supply closet with the lights turned out Mm -hmm. the supply closet why is there no way to get out was my first question and then also I'd just like to point out, this is a literal nightmare for me, being (laughs) locked into a small space. But unlike my nightmare, this has a very obvious solution. I would find the strongest sedative in that medical supply closet and just knock myself out. (laughs) Someone would find me hours later and I'd just be like asleep on the floor. Would you want to call those? Try to call someone? She did try to call someone. Yeah, yeah, I'd try to call someone first and then I'd immediately (laughs) ransack whatever their strongest sedative was. You know. I'll keep this strategy in mind and anticipate for future. You know, I don't think I'm going to get trapped in a medical supply closet. It seems highly unlikely. Let's hope not. They're pretty... My understanding is that hospital supply rooms now are pretty guarded. I, I I don't think we could just wander into one. Um, but then the supply closet thing is used to create a wedge between Dr. Brooks and Noel because Noel was supposed to have stocked whatever supply yeah. closet, you know. Painting the alleged shortcomings of Noel, just like uh, when there's the episode about the security guard's wife who yes. uh, gets overdosed with morphine. Yeah. Um, and these women are going to willing to go to any lengths to get back at, I mean, overdosing a pregnant, you're essentially recreating your mom's death to avenge your mom's death. Mm -hmm. But that security guard's wife didn't do anything to you. Yeah. Just kill the person you're mad at. I do not endorse killing at all. No, definitely not. For the record. And uh, Dr. Brooks is not to be trifled with, so she can more than handle herself, despite all of Claire's threats throughout the film. So then there's also this, like, dinner with all three of the... um, The students? The students. Yeah, I don't don't know what to call them at this point. 
And they basically have a conversation about whether you should save the mom or the baby. And Luna brings it up. So they're trying to make, at this point, still trying to make it seem like Luna's the one who Mm -hmm. is, you know, out to avenge something. Right. And Claire turns her body and basically Real Housewives of any city style throws... (laughs) red wine right at luna's shirt yes and so she's wearing a white shirt she's wearing a white shirt and and then she goes back to calmly sipping her wine so at that point they're still trying to draw your attention to luna and make you think it's luna but the way she went back she doesn't say i'm sorry the way she just like throws the drink accidentally and then goes back to calmly sipping her wine i was like okay it's her it's not luna luna's the easy scapegoat yeah because she brought this subject up and then there's a moment where luna goes upstairs with dr brooks to get a new shirt and dr brooks in the process sees a heart tattoo yes that is similar to a heart tattoo that the dead mother had yes not her mother just the patient that died um but luna's has wings yes and also it's on her lower back this one has wings (laughs) um like a pad commercial (laughs) um but the other thing i noted about that moment was Dr. Brooks shouldn't know what that tattoo looks like on Luna's back because Dr. Brooks should have given her the shirt and left the room. There is no reason to stay in the room while your student is changing. And there are so many reasons to not stay in the room. To not know about your student's lower back tattoo? Yeah. It would be one thing if... Okay, so like there are a lot of scenes at the hospital. Not a lot. There are a few scenes at the hospital where the three students are in the locker room, whatever they call that for doctors. Yeah. And they're changing out of their scrubs into their real life clothes. And real world. Not that hospitals are not real life. Um, So it would be one thing if the tattoo was discovered that way, like in the changing facilities at the hospital. But if someone gets something spilled on them in your home and you're giving them a shirt, you don't need to oversee the putting on of the shirt. That is true. That is true. I've never watched someone change that way. It seems odd. But anyways, should we move on to the next menacing moment? Why not? So then we go back to the hospital and the elevators aren't working, which again, this should have been (laughs) private practice because in a hospital, if the elevators aren't working, there's someone working on it and there are signs being put up temporarily, elevator not working. There's an electrician working on it. It's not just unnoticed. So Dr. Brooks goes into the basement, I guess to like, Turn the breaker on for the elevator? She can do it all. I don't think that that is what a doctor's response would be. I think they would call maintenance and be like, hey guys, 
the elevator is broken. I'll get and, back to delivering this baby. And then they would take another <laughs> elevator or the stairs, but I don't think they'd go try to do the electrical work themselves. Sure. And But the hospital is completely abandoned, so of course she has to do it herself. Mm-hmm. And she goes down into the basement, and she finds a file, the file of the woman who passed away, with the hospital wristband attached. Oh, yeah. Which I don't know that you would keep that if you... If the person, like what, Russell saved his dead wife's yeah. wristband mm-hmm. and then the daughter, or maybe they just made a new one. They just made a new one, fine. But then on her file, written in, no joke, puffy paint, red puffy paint, <laughs> is the word uh, murder. Mm-hmm. The amount of money Michaels makes off of Lifetime <laughs> movies must be so high. <laughs> this was puffy paint. It wasn't like a Sharpie. You couldn't just grab this uh-huh. from a local like corner store or whatever. I didn't notice that. Very it was astute. puffy paint, very which astute is list. very... It made it... I will say also, puffy paint makes it slightly silly. I think what they wanted... They wanted it to look like actual blood. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> but blood doesn't... Puff. Right. Now that just makes me think maybe there should have been a diorama of the uh, <laughs> what I know what happened on 10-22-95. Like a Billy on the Street diorama. Exactly. Daedalus Mertus. <laughs> Grace Moretz. <laughs> and this dead woman. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So we found out that it can't be Russell. None of this is Russell because he's been dead a long time. Mm-hmm. And something happens in Dr. Beck. Nope. Wrong doctor. Something happens. <laughs> Dr. Brooks. Dr. Brooks has Luna taken away. And then the chairman of the board of the hospital uh, tells her that her medical license is being placed on suspension yeah. because they think that the security guard's wife got the morphine from her or got it because she was negligent. Right. I just want to raise a small issue. I do not believe that the head of a hospital has the ability to put a medical license on suspension. I think that... I think medical licenses are controlled by state medical boards. Yeah, right. And so I think the only I think they could definitely suspend her from her job, mm-hmm. but I don't think they can like suspend or revoke licenses. I think that there is a state process sure. for that. But that might be different in Canada. We definitely filmed this in Canada because Matt noticed. Oh right, yes, it was. There was a Canadian spelling. I think it was like authorized personnel only with an yes, S. Yes, with an S. Yeah. And so maybe in Canada, mm-hmm. the head of a hospital, I don't know, I would assume not that way either, but maybe the head of the hospital there can, the head of a hospital there yeah. could revoke. As opposed the to the province review board? I have no idea. I don't know anything about Canada's healthcare except that it seems good and cheaper. Yeah. And fewer people seem to be bankrupted by basic medical <laughs> issues. Um,. <laughs> are we having fun yet everyone <laughs> so she comes back from this meeting with the chairman 
with the, I said that so weird. <laughs> she comes back from this meeting with the chairman. And so she has framed diplomas on her wall. And on one of the framed diplomas, there's now been an article put in covering part of her diploma. Oh, yeah. And it's an article that says, girls are worried about missing father. And in red, not puffy paint this time. <laughs> It says, happy early retirement. Yes. Which I thought might be a moment to like grab the very nice security guard and mention to him that someone had broken into your office and placed an incredibly threatening message inside one of your diplomas. After you've had a rock thrown in your window. and, and yeah, yeah, and also like it might be a moment to Google the girls from the article Mm -hmm. start because one thing she doesn't do until very late in the movie is google who russell's children are right that was a misstep well that the movie is based on because if she'd googled them earlier we have no movie i mean and when we do see russell myers's page I love Lifetime social media networks. Yes, you do. Do you know? Do you recall what this one was called? I do not. Uh, this one, she looks up Russell's Palzone page. Okay. Uh, and sees Claire in some photos yes. on his Palzone page. You know, in Double Mommy, we had Pixapost. Pixapost. I prefer Palzone because it sounds like a social network that you could use to order your friends Calzones. <laughs> It also sounds like a place you would host a birthday party for an eight-year-old. <laughs> yes. Like, they they definitely have trampolines there mm-hmm. and probably laser tag mm-hmm. and, you know, arcade games. And someone's going to eat too much pizza and puke in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens at Pal Zone. <laughs> well, you, you really gave yours a, a lot more color than mine. No, that's just what I assume happens at, like, Chuck E. Cheese's or, like, those trampoline parks. I assume that, like, it's all fun and games, and then some kid eats way too much pizza. Or cake. Or cake. And then pukes in the corner and goes home. (laughs) And I'm not judging the kid. That's exactly what your childhood is for. For overeating and then puking and then getting (laughs) right back on the trampoline. (laughs) Talk about gluttony. So she's discovered that Claire is Russell's daughter, but dun-dun-dun, Noelle is at a cabin with Claire. Oh, yes. And cabins, in case you have not picked up on this from the 15 episodes, 14 preceding episodes we've done, cabins are kind of a big thing in a Lifetime movie. There's always a cabin. Yes, very little. Haley Duff went to a cabin. Oh, yeah, Uh uh-huh. I'm trying to think of who else. I can't even think of the other movies we've covered. But there's usually a cabin. You know, I feel a little bit sad. Neither family of ours... Maybe that's why we're still alive, Matt. Neither side has a cabin (laughs) in a rural area with no phone line where someone could easily take you to kill you. Or maybe they do, but our families just haven't taken us there yet. I don't think either of our families are going to kill us. Yeah. I feel pretty secure in that. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in that as well. So at this cabin, Noelle is gagged and bound. 
and Dr. Brooks walks in and Claire jams a syringe in her neck. She gets her right out the gate. Oh, yeah. And then it's, you know, we cut and to the next scene and Claire taps Dr. Brooks awake with the side of a chef's knife, the flat side. Oh. That was menacing to Mm -hmm. me. I liked that move of rather than being like, wake up, that she tapped her awake with a chef's knife. Mm. Very scary. Also, in terms of making this cabin very scary, I should mention that there is a piece of art on the walls. (laughs) No, hear me out. Because I have, at the end of this, I will say nice things about set design and about costuming and all of that stuff. But right now I'm going to say something. And this is actually a nice thing I'm about to say. There's a piece of art on the wall that looks like a plaster face is coming out of the canvas. So it's like half of a plaster face on a canvas somehow. And the whole thing is splattered with red. It's so creepy. It's it like it, you see it in the background when Dr. Or uh, not when Dr. Brooks walks in. Yeah, actually when Dr. Brooks walks in right before she's injected. Uh-huh. And it sets the tone for just how creepy this is going to be. What are you laughing at? <laughs> no. It sets the tone. What? How many houses have you ever been in that nothing dangerous is going to happen that has a plaster face coming out of a canvas and the whole thing is splattered in blood red paint is that like a common like all of our friends have one of those face paintings splattered with blood at home and i just never notice i'm just envisioning abstract clown creepiness and that's what hangs on the wall at pal zone they would not put this in the palace. It looked like something that should be in a haunted house that you go and, that you charge money for. Except in the haunted house, it would be a face painted to look like part of the painting, and mm. then the person jumps out at you. Right. But it looked like that. It looked like something was coming out of the painting, mm. and the painting was covered in blood, so what was coming out of the painting was not good. Right. <laughs> I thought it set, set a tone. Uh-huh. I liked its inclusion. So in this scene, Noelle uses her charm bracelet to escape the binding. And then, well, but before that, we get Claire's whole monologue about how her dad was abusive. Yeah. And Mike, this is where I get back into the sister relationship. I have questions. Did her sister ever comfort her growing up? Mm -hmm. Because things that happen at the end indicate that both sisters think the doctor should have saved the mother. Right. Which is essentially the older sister, Maggie's way of saying, I wish you were dead. And they are adults now. It's one thing when you're a child and you've lost a parent in childbirth to be like, you took my mom from me. Yeah. It's another thing in your 30s or late 20s to -hmm. be like, I've spent 30 years with you but I wish you were dead right? and my mom was still alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, it gets back into, for me, it's like from Claire's point of view, this person wants you dead. Why would you engage in this long con with her? Why don't you go live your best life and let your sister stew on something that happened 30 years ago? Right. 
that also upsets you, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you both lost your mom. And rather than bonding about it, you seem to have bonded in the wrong way. You've bonded in a way that's like, we should. We both think I should be dead. Mm-hmm. That's weird to yeah. me. Did your sister ever help you, like, nurture you or uh-huh. console you? Was she kind to you in any way? Because nothing about her thinking you deserve to be dead leads me to think you should go in on this plan with her. But I guess part of what it gets into is that the father and the older sister created a situation where Claire has no self-worth. And yeah. so, of course, she's going along with this plan because mm-hmm. she she believes to her core she deserves to be dead. Maybe we find out in Revenge Redelivered. <laughs> well, like, they do kind of set up that there could be... Yeah. Okay, so let's keep going and we can get into that. So, um... Noelle gets loose. She hits Claire with a pipe. Oh, yeah. It's like a loose pipe. That was a great swing, by the way. Nice level swing. swing. Really, like, you know, like line drive over the fence. What I appreciated about that is Claire did not pop up. You know, a lot of these movies, the killer pops up a second time and you have to put him back down like whack-a-mole. Claire did not pop back up because yeah. Noelle swung for the fences. Yes. <laughs> she was like, I'm not taking any chances. Yeah. She, wham, <laughs> slammed that thing. And that is the appropriate reaction. You don't swing. When someone has bound you and they're tapping you awake with a chef's knife, you swing to unconsciousness. Yes. You don't swing to, like, just kind of get her away. Yeah. So then... Claire is obviously arrested and we're at a party for Luna and Noel yeah. who have passed this first year and they're being placed in different hospitals. Oh yeah, they matched for residency at... I don't, who cares? Luna's staying with St. John's. Yes. And, uh, and Dr. Brooks apologizes for <laughs> what sounds like the umpteenth time for having doubted Luna Mm -hmm. and Luna is understanding because she says, you know, you were being made to believe that by things that were happening. Right. You know, someone was for doing things that caused you to believe I was behind them. Right. And then Noelle's going to strike out on her own at a hospital downtown in Chicago. Yeah. And then ding dong, there's a package at the door. Yes. Mid party. Mm -hmm. And Inside the package is a Polaroid that says, well, the package says, I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's on the package of the Polaroid and I don't think it's relevant. Something says, a shutterfly calendar says, (laughs) I'm not the only one who thinks you made the wrong choice. And there's a family Polaroid. Yeah. And... Then there's a second Polaroid. Now, in the first Polaroid, I think it's the father, the mother, and the first daughter. Yeah. And the second Polaroid is Claire and the overly cheerful receptionist. Yes. So we now know she's the sister who pushed Claire into medicine and mm-hmm. all of that. Not to nitpick, although I do. <laughs> Shouldn't the appropriate wording have been, she wasn't the only one who thought you made the wrong choice? 
Yeah. Because she's referring to not herself. Mm -hmm. The first person who thought you made the wrong choice was the other sister. And now you're saying, I also think you made the wrong choice. That's fair. I mean, that's... Again, this was a very good movie, and I have thoughts. Um, So then Dr. Brooks goes and she, you know, she goes out to the front because it was, this was not delivered by like UPS or USPS. It was hand delivered. And so she goes to the front steps of her house to see if she can see who's, who's dropped it off. And Maggie is in a car across the street. Yeah. And they have a great stare down. Mm -hmm. Dr. Brooks and Maggie. Yeah. And then the movie ends. Mm -hmm. I thought everyone did a great job. Yeah. Very satisfying. Yeah. I thought, I know we really only discussed like the menacing moments, but because they were the most interesting. I thought the acting was good. I thought the writing was good. Mm -hmm. I, so I said I was going to talk about it earlier when we were talking about the painting with the face. I thought this was a good example of how costuming and set design can be done in ways that aren't distractions. Mm -hmm. There were in the Brooks home, there were, framed pictures of the family on the walls. There were pictures of them on the fridge, like tacked onto the fridge with magnets. There were flowers and plants throughout the home so that it looked like a real home, which meant that you focused more on what was happening between the actors because Mm -hmm. you weren't distracted by some Versailles-like bed in the background where your eye just, the metallic draws you right to this ornate (laughs) bed. It was a way... There were no Greek columns stationed throughout the house. The focus was allowed to be the acting and what was happening. The one thing I would say, though, in terms of, of course, I have notes, in terms of set design, at this hospital, there is a pink and blue airbrushed paper sign that says maternity ward on it. And this sign looks straight out of the max on Saved by the Bell. <laughs> it's airbrushed. It's something you would see announcing like a pep rally on Friday, uh-huh. but it's announcing a maternity ward. <laughs> <laughs> like the most cash. This is a very, you know, loosely run hospital, I guess would be my thought. Um, but that's like such a minor note. Other than that, every like I didn't take in the clothes. I didn't take in the set design, which is what you want. You want those things to kind of fade into the background. I thought it was an example of Lifetime done right because there were clues and red herrings and they tried to keep you guessing until the end. Mm -hmm. I found the overly friendly receptionist Maggie suspicious from the beginning, but that's because I am quick to be suspicious of people who are overly friendly for seemingly no reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I was also quick. I was also suspicious of Claire because she so quickly jumps to no- Noelle's defense and like infiltrates her world very quickly. Yeah. And, and she asked Doctor Brooks why only one kid yeah. after knowing her for about two days. 
And and also says you did such a good job raising her. Such weird comments. Yeah. Um, it was very suspenseful. I was actually nervous when I walked into the kitchen later that night. So I think that's a good indicator that the suspense had been there. Yeah, what were your general thoughts? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a nice watch. And I enjoyed seeing all the actors uh, in their roles. And yeah. there were some nice nice suspenseful elements and it kind of uh, kept the interest all the way through. Agreed. Shall we get to trivia? We shall. Bill Corcoran, the director, also directed the 1996 movie A Brother's Promise, the Dan Jansen story. Oh. That Dan Jansen to you. Yeah, he was a speed skater. Okay. Yeah. He very famously fell in the, in the Olympics and then he and then he won gold. Okay. I think he had a nice short birthday. Um, that's cool. Uh, Madeline Leon or Leon, uh, who played Maddie, played Billy. Spelled two ways in her credits: Billy with a Y and Billy I E. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that. Is credited two ways. Okay. I don't know if they're implying that she played both Billy a boy and Billy a girl. Like Victor Victoria? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but she was credited as Billy Billy uh, in the TV series Pony Sitters Club. Oh, that sounds fun. And the follow-up movie Pony Sitters Club The Big Sleepover. Is that a mashup of My Little Pony and The Babysitters Club? And the forthcoming Pony Sitters Club Fun at the Fair. Oh my. So this is a whole franchise. Is this live action? Or is it animation? I have no idea. I'm guessing live action. I think it was a Netflix series. Okay. But I have no idea. Okay. I like my idea of My Little Pony mashup with Baby Sitters Club, but I don't know enough about either of those to know if that could work. Nor do I. Nor do I. Okay. Shadia Ali, who played Tamika, the woman who was given morphine while pregnant, Mm -hmm. played Dina in the Ashley Tisdale movie, Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure. Oh my. (laughs) That's stupendous. I I don't know what that's about or anything about it, frankly. (laughs) I think it was Disney. Ashley Tisdale, I didn't realize that she had her own starring vehicles. I think... Some of those Disney kids. She was in High School Musical, right? She was. And I think some of those Disney kids had varying degrees of pre-High School Musical Disney mm-hmm. connections. Right. And then post. Mm-hmm. Uh, apologies to the actor who played Darnell. I don't think I'm going to pronounce your name correctly, but I didn't find it online how to pronounce it correctly. Yukel Schillingford... According to IMDb, he plays a superhero named Malik Davis in a Mucinex ad called Fast Max Cold and Flu All in One. Oh my. <laughs> so I didn't realize there were Mucinex superheroes apart from the, uh, as we used to call it when I worked in cold medicine, the Mucus Gang. Mucus Gang, ew. <laughs> Tom Melissus, who played Peter. That's the husband? 
No, Peter, I believe, was Dr. Evans of Evanston. (laughs) Yes. He played Jeff in one episode of Degrassi High. Okay. And Dom Perino in both Degrassi The Next Generation and Degrassi Next Class. (laughs) He played Stu in the 1994 TV movie Madonna, Innocence Lost. Oh my. And he was credited as agent in the TV movie The Day Reagan Was Shot. Hmm. Jefferson Brown, who played Thomas, the husband. He was in 12 Men of Christmas. Yes. Guilty at 17. Ooh. Terrified at 17. Mm. The Perfect Stalker and Snowed in Christmas Ah. with two N's. Okay. I think I remember that one. He also played Brett Burnett in four episodes of Degrassi, The Next Generation. (laughs) Moving on. I've never seen Degrassi High or any of its iterations, so... Nor I. Perhaps we were missing out. Yeah, they they don't do a great job of exporting that from Canada to the United States, I will say. So to our Canadian listeners, we would probably have watched it. We just had no access. <laughs> so Tamara Almeida Luna was credited as nurse in one episode of, can you guess it? Grey's Anatomy? Degrassi Next Class. Oh gosh, of course. Samantha Brown, who played Claire. Uh-huh. Played Heidi in one episode of, can you guess it? Degrassi General Hospital. Degrassi the Next Generation. (laughs) What is it about Degrassi? I gotta ask. Is this, is Degrassi and its spinoffs and its new and next, is that Canada's Law and Order? Like, Law and Order, you can tell a lot about an actor's career. Usually they've been in an episode of Law and Order, yeah. whether it's original, Criminal Intent, SVU, you know, any of it. But m- most actors have been in one of those. Yeah. Is that the way for Degrassi? Like you have to be on an episode of Degrassi if you're a Canadian actor. Okay, <laughs> okay moving on. Uh, Mary Antonini, who played Noel, was credited as dancer in... Degrassi goes Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> also, during the 2015-2016 season, she played Anita in West Side Story at the Paramount Theater in Chicago. Oh, nice. In Chicago, not Evanston. <laughs> they're different places. For you Canadian writers, just to be clear, they're two different places. <laughs> Anita's the lead, right? One of the leads? I've never seen West Side Story. I've seen it. I don't remember. And then Dr. Victoria Brooks, played by Olunike Adali, was nominated for a 2021 Canadian Screen Award for her performance in the drama series Coroner. But she was also credited as Big Cheryl's Beautician in what... 2004 movie. Now I'm going to give you some clues. This clue should probably tell you exactly. It's pretty obvious based on this clue. 
John Oliver believes that not two, but one exist. So we're talking about the Olsen twins. Yes. Uh, it takes two? No. Think of how old they would be in 2004. Uh, probably like teenagers. Like, uh, it was the last of an era. Um, Mary Kate and Ashley like go to prom or something. Like, no, in New York Minute. Which I believe is the last movie that they appeared in together. Oh, wow. Okay. I think Mary-Kate subsequently... She was on Weeds on like two or three episodes or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Ashley has ever acted again, but I think that was the last time they did a... Okay. Twin movie. Wow. So, that's it. And... Neither of the Olsen twins was ever on Degrassi High. Not to our knowledge. Maybe they fled north of the border to escape the paparazzi. I'd be curious about their lives. They seem to have had odd lives. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Their romantic choices are unusual, unexpected romantic Mm -hmm. romantic choices. I believe one of them is an accomplished equestrian. Hmm. They were like the richest children to have ever lived. Yeah. And now they have a second act as like very well-respected fashion designers. Mm. They're incredibly rich. One of them married the brother of the former president of France. I mean, that's weird stuff. Yeah. I can't say I've been keeping tabs lately. Well, they're divorced now, so you don't need to. But actually, I believe in that marriage. I believe she was the richer of the two. Sure. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. When is the last time you think an Olsen twin has, like, interacted with a normal? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're we're normals. Uh, I guess if one of them gets their own coffee occasionally. I mean, I presume they have someone get their coffee for them. Okay, when is the last time you think they've had an interaction of any significance or substance with a normal? Didn't they go to college? So maybe they cross paths with normal people then? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, their lives just seem odd. <laughs> and on that note, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at husbandwifetime or on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.